thing. Hello, everybody. This is another episode of I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall. It's been a minute. I feel like it's been a minute, guys, because you know, sometimes we pre-record these. Sometimes I do them on the day of. But this is one where I wanted to talk to this young lady and post it the same day that I'm talking to her because I'm so excited to introduce you to our next guest. Let me tell you a little bit about Nicole. Nicole is the founder and managing principal of Sedoma Law. For the past 25 years, Nicole has pioneered a way through the often dreaded field of family law with integrity, something we don't see, compassion, something is that's not unheard of, and tenacity. As a marriage and loving divorce attorney, Nicole was shocked on the day she chose herself, her happiness, and her future over her 13-year marriage. Ooh, girl, I cannot wait to get it. In her debut book, Please Don't Say You're Sorry, being released on May 24th, 2022, so that's very soon. Nicole provides a witty, honest, and wildly relatable account of the stripped-down realities of marriage, separation, and divorce. Using her personal stories and sometimes unbelievable experiences as a family law attorney of two decades, Nicole layers in laughter, compassion, and legal savvy to deliver empowering principles that'll help guide readers through both the humorous and not-so-humorous realities of divorce. So right after this dance break, we have Nicole. Oh, coming in. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. Nicole, hey, how are you? Oh, doing so fine. Thanks for having me. So one of the things that I kind of like, so guys, Nicole, we, we talked before we started recording and one of the things that she shared with me, she's like, I'm Southern girl, where are you from? Because you all know, depending on who I'm talking to or the day, my Southern twang will come out more. Here in New York, I find that I have to hide it because they'll assume, you know, these Yankees will assume that you're all country bumpkin. <laughs> but Nicole's like, girl, where are you from? I said, I'm from Tennessee and you're from the Carolinas, right? That's right. Born and raised. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah. the, if you give me wine, my actual, my accent actually gets worse I'm, or better. I don't know, depending on where you're from. <laughs> so, so what you're trying to tell me is we should have done this interview after seven o'clock and we should have just called it like cocktails with Naja and Nicole or something. Yeah, we would have had a really a different time, but <laughs> we're still going to have fun today. I was just saying. Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned um, that I found that is completely not aligned with a lot of the people that listen to this and myself, the experiences in family law court, you mentioned compassion, tenacity, some nice words. And so you being on the other side of it after experiencing your own divorce, was there some stark differences that you've seen now that you were the one in the seat of the client as opposed to you representing people before? Oh, yes. Okay. First of all, I have to say when people, first of all, I should say this, anytime you want to describe me as a young lady, I'm all in. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> so let's start with that. All right. Wait, then, you are a young lady. I'm looking at oh, you. Good grief. I don't feel like I'm a young lady anymore. I'm looking at you. Um, to, uh, well, to, I have three boys. We'll tell my boys that I'm a young lady today. Thank you. <laughs> So um, let's see, when I think, like when you say the words tenacity and compassion, I immediately think, oh gosh, I hope she doesn't think those are like easy marketing terms. Because when I first was trying to describe like how I wanted my practice as a family law attorney to feel, uh, I was thinking of like who, how would other people describe me? And true story, um, okay, so just put it in context, 22 years I've been practicing law. Um, you started when you were 10 years old. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I went to school in Alabama, by the way, a little more Southern roots, right? So, um, so, um, so I, I opened a law firm in 2008. So I'm like, what, 13 years or something out. And uh, the law practice is now 20, we have 22 lawyers, maybe 23 tomorrow. We'll see. And, um, and we are known for family law and we've got four offices and it's, it's, I eat, sleep and breathe this practice area and wow. about, and about three years into practicing and owning the practice, um, and running it or whatever, uh, I had a really experienced lawyer call me out of the blue 
And she said that she wanted to practice law with us. And I said, okay, we were about 12 people. No, we were probably more than that. We were probably about 20 people at the time. And, um, and I said, gosh, I just don't know if she would fit in with us. Culture was really, it's still really important to me. And um, I called a judge, a friend of mine, who's a judge. And I said, this lawyer, she's really experienced. She's really smart. Like, help me, help me. Is she the right person to practice law with us? And she mm -hmm. said, if she is smart, tenacious, and compassionate, then she fits in. And if she's not all of those things, you should pass on her. And so that is how we ended up choosing those words. So I don't take those words lightly uh, because they mean something to me because it's easy to like come up with marketing terms when you're a law firm, but like actually living it and breathing it and representing that to your client every day and to yourself because you have to have some integrity in this practice. It is not an easy practice area. Okay. So I'm so glad that you prefaced it with explaining your your definition of compassion, because, you know, we see the word, especially in, in different industries thrown around, and it is a hot word. But yeah. look, question, so did you end up hiring that particular attorney? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. This was, okay. It's a long so time this, ago, though. <laughs> it's a long time ago. So this wasn't even going to be my next question. But then, so if somebody wants to represent you and your firm, then what is it going to take? Well, I mean, well, Oh, wait, what's the question? So if, 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 yeah. Yeah, because you said, okay, that particular person wasn't a fit. And yeah. so then who is a fit? Or no, even better, who is not a fit? Like what type of attorneys, you know, because I know you get tons of interviews. I, I know you do. Yeah. Tons, tons of um, resumes. So then who's not a fit? When they come in there, you're like, yeah, this ain't going to fit in with the so company not culture. Right. From, from a lawyer perspective, when, uh, and I do get a lot of resumes or CVs or whatever you want to call them. If mm -hmm. for, for young lawyers, uh, if it says, uh, I wanted to become a lawyer because I like to argue, or my parents said, I like to argue, I actually pass on the resume. Like it really drives me crazy. Sorry, and I think the reason, please try again. <laughs> Is that me or you? That wasn't me. Okay. We, mm, yeah, I mean, I am in an old building, but okay. Okay. So, so, so um, if their resume or their CV says, I like to argue, or because my parents told me I like to argue, I usually pass on the pass on them as a candidate. And for the most part, because enjoying an argument is not what makes you a good lawyer, in my opinion, because mm. being able to find a resolution because it is not a one-size-fits-all practice area, um, is harder than arguing. Because yeah. you have to, you know, most of the time, I had this, uh, I had a client a long time ago. She sent me a, uh, she sends me Christmas cards every year. And she said, I am so sorry that the year that we got to know each other was the worst year of my life. I probably oh. wasn't nice. I definitely was thankless. But look at my babies, they're beautiful and happy. And look, you helped get us here. So wow. you're, you know, you're dealing with um, clients who are going through something that they probably have never been through. They yeah. are not themselves. You know, some of them are struggling with, well, most of them are struggling with the emotional aspects, you know, of uh, separation and divorce. And sort of circling back to what you had asked me before, like, it wasn't until I went through my own divorce that I realized there were all these things that my clients weren't telling me. And so, mm, and mm. my, yeah, my advice changed, you know, once I went through it. So, um, and I, I mean, it's still, it's still changing every day yeah. is a new day. And, you know, you ride the roller coaster of freedom and grief, uh, from the time you decide, or somebody decides for you that you're not going to be in this relationship anymore. Um, you have to decide whether, it's a, you know, you have to own, is it okay that we weren't good spouses, but we can still be good parents? And then you have to recognize, okay, um, this is about choice. So these are all things that lawyers are not talking to you about because lawyers are talking to you about strategy, uh, finances, when to make deposits, when to pay this bill. I mean, the paralysis that comes from separating when you're trying to divide assets and pay bills and parent and work. I mean, it's, 
Oh, and heal your heart possibly and you're dealing oh, with yeah. emotional stuff that's like a nightmare and when is there time for that so right right, right. you're still I trying mean, to shuffle living a normal life earn a living feed your kids and oh my heart is broken or i'm severely disappointed or i'm angry or i've been disrespected you know whatever the case may be yeah so yeah so, you only have control over you right so that's just what's going on here but what yeah. about how you're managing, how someone else is, is, is dealing with their own grief um, or celebration or, or whatever is happening for that other person. So do you really see people celebrating though when it's time? Cause I know it, there has to be a bit of pain, even if you're ready for it to be over, there's still like that thing of, dang, I failed. Now we got to figure out this stuff with the kids and the money. Like, uh, is there really like a party? Is there a celebration? You know, at some point that freedom train takes over, but not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not for everybody. I, um, a word that I do not use anymore in my practice is the word normal. Mm. Uh, I had a client uh, once I, I said, listen, you know, kind of going back to that, your lawyers are going to tell you things differently. And for me, yeah. it's all about setting expectations and, um, uh, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but I said, it's normal for blank, blank, whatever I said, right? Like it's normal that the hearing is going to last this long, or it's normal that they're going to respond with that. And hey, you took that out. Cause you're like, there is not a normal, that's like the worst mm -hmm. word to use. Yeah, it is. And you know, I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me. And she said, it is so difficult. There is nothing normal about the process. Okay. Now, obviously that's an extreme. That is one version of how someone feels. You know, yeah. because if you are going into it open-eyed, you are seeing that you're going into business with someone. Uh, you can choose to bury your head in the sand. You can choose to be a part of those decisions. But, you know, it's all about what you want to put in because yeah. if either one of you wants out at some point, you have the freedom to do that. That's your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, that is probably the thing that has been most surprising to me uh, post-divorce, that uh, people, even when I say to clients, friends at the dinner table, at the wine bar, wherever I am, uh, I say, you know, it takes two of you to say I do and one of you to say I don't. So you can, oh, especially my unmarried friends and uh, or second marriages, like, they still don't see it, that you can be madly in love with someone and that yeah. person, something happens in their life that you can't control and they decide this is not really what I want anymore. And uh, you don't and, have a choice in that. And you're kind of just, you got to go with it. I mean, I know you've probably, and I've definitely seen some people that fight against that, but I, I don't think we have a big respect for people, especially our romantic partners ability to sometimes people change their minds. People change their circumstances. Like you said, Nicole, that make it so you can't be coupled with a person and it hurts. It, it really, but it's, and doing business with some, cause marriage, you know, the business of marriaging and the business of divorce, the business of co-parenting, like that's very, very difficult. I don't, I, I, I just show kudos and major respect to people that have somehow managed to find, and I know we said we ain't going to use the N word, but the new normal um, in their lives, yeah. because it's, you know, it's like things have been flipped, turned upside down for you. Look at me quoting uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So in the cases, let me ask you, so what did you learn? Being on one side, I know you said, let me not use the word normal because you didn't realize what that was doing to clients until it happened to you. Uh, what did you see that was different coming in? Because you're a professional. I imagine that, were you a good client to whomever terrible. you're lawyer? I was a terrible client. Yeah. Terrible. Do as I say, not as I do. That's all I'm saying. Like, I don't even so know. I had, a, I had a backup set of ears and basically whatever that person said, I said, okay, like that, I don't think that's going to actually happen. Um, the, uh, let's see. <laughs> um, so we, you know, you tell your client it is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh -huh. I say in the book, it's like, I think I said in there, I think, uh, it's a sprint, like with stilettos, like yeah. you, you are like barely getting through, 
um, and your legs are cramping and your toes yeah. are hurting and, um, and you don't see the end. Um, but I'll tell you, even, I, even I knew what was coming next. I knew how long it was going to take to get into a courtroom if that was what was going to happen. I knew what the preparation was going to be, the discovery process, the, you know, what it was, what kind of toll it was probably going to take on the kids, on me, on him. And I'll tell you what, mm, those days are long. And it is, um, I did not expect the fog. And I, I, I still tell all my clients, I told them before, I'll tell them again, like, I need you, I'll say, I'll tell her, set up an email address that mm -hmm. is just for this. Call it, you know, my divorce this year at gmail.com, whatever you want to call it. And then every time you think there is something that you might need or that I might need from you, send it to that email. It's a picture. It's a screenshot. It's a note to yourself. Send me that email. And when this thing is over, the email can die with it. Mm. Uh, we we got to get back to the place to, to the beginning, because really yeah. that's what a divorce attorney should be doing for you. The divorce attorney is setting you up for a new start. So it's Whoa. not ending a marriage. And I mean, it's a mindset, right? So once you get past those feelings of grief and uh, um, knowing that this is a chapter that's going to end, you know, changing your mindset, no, I get a new beginning. I get to create what I want. I'm older. I'm smarter. I'm wiser. I know what to look for. When I see those red flags, when I see myself shutting down and not being able to communicate with my partner, like yeah. that's when I know like we need to get help or we need to make other decisions that are going to, that are going to be worse. So, mm. um, so, and I say I'm a marriage, love and divorce attorney. Cause I do. I love the idea of marriage. I've put lots of couples back together. I say, I scared them back into it. Well, I mean, you know, divorce. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. So are you saying you've put them back together when you're saying, well, you guys really don't need a divorce or are you saying, Hey, I understand that you're divorcing, but you guys can still remain amicable. Like, how are you putting them back together, Nicole? I, my, the client will come to me and you can tell they're just setting themselves up for an education and they don't uh -huh. know what they're going to do. And I give okay. them counselors names and, you know, go work. You're not ready for me. We're not, this is not where you need to be. You yeah, got to keep this, trying. You got to try a little harder. Yeah. Okay. So then you have, you've been doing this for 20 years. You started little, when you were, yeah, you've been doing, I started when I, I was 10. You started when you were 10 years old. Like, you know, <laughs> so you actually did old. graduate high school at 16. <laughs> I did skip a year. Yes. I was so ready. I was smart. You're, oh. you're just like smart. You skipped a grade. You're one of those like kid geniuses or something. I was bored. I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was the youngest of all my siblings. Everybody was gone having, getting their start in life. Yeah. yeah. There were and four like, boys. You're yeah. here with mom. And also you're the only girl. Yes. Oh. And the youngest. Wow. Oh, so you have like these big brothers watching over you, scaring off all your your boyfriends couldn't get a date to save my life because everybody <laughs> knew your big brothers and they knew they get beat up that's good though so then you've been in the game for a very long time and yeah. I know there has to be some sort of formula that we see at the beginning of a marriage not that you were there to experience the beginning of your clients marriages but I'm sure they told you stories um is there like a particular personality type thing trigger red flag that you could tell these people that are listening to look for because I love hearing from divorce attorneys like those this is all we need to be listening to y'all when we're dating and looking for love and longevity you know aside from abuse and, and you know things like that but what are the things that you see in the commonalities first I want to talk about the women that shouldn't be divorced and then I want to talk about the guys so what are the commonalities let's start with men first the dudes that we should kind of be like he ain't marriage material or girl this is not gonna last oh this is so good because mm -hmm. you know I always ask in my consults I always ask how they met so I always want to take people back to this where they were human right like yes before they were the you, enemy right yes. the people we married or the people we not divorced tell me who that person was then not the same person now. So um, I can't speak to like the red flags when they first met, 
But I can tell you that no matter where they come in to have a consult with me, that when I hear somebody doesn't have access to all their accounts, they don't have passwords, phones are password protected, the mobile phone account is password protected, that um, one of the things that it does make me a little crazy and it hurts my heart is when somebody says, I'm afraid to ask. Like for your own spouses. Mm. Like he knows that something will be up if I ask, or she knows that if I want access to the whatever, that she'll know. Like, why are you not communicating? Why don't you have the information? And why don't where, you feel comfortable? Even if you're and, not snooping, like, why do you? Where oh. along the way did it become? Where along the way did it become not okay to ask for that? So, you know, the first half of this book was about what we could be doing differently in our marriage. Like, what can mm. we, what, where did we lose on the communication side? Because I don't know. Well, I, I spontaneously combusted. I was the least likely human to get divorced. I grew up in a super divorced family. My parents are still very divorced. Um, I was in a courtroom when I was a kid. They're still weird around each other. Um, I experienced and saw way too much for a kid. And then of course, ended up being a divorce lawyer. So, uh, and then ended up getting my own divorce. So it's really been the majority of my life. This is what, this does not, this is not an uncomfortable subject for me. Mm -hmm. And nothing surprises me, but it, um, it does fascinate me. And like I said, like make my heart hurt a little bit when you hear, um, well, I don't have access to that account and it makes me uncomfortable to ask or he'll be mad or, and so I'll say like, okay, you have, okay, I don't want there to be any financial leverage. So I want you to be focused on here and now. I don't want you to be worried on he's going to cut me off or she's going to cut me off or whatever it is. So what I want you to do is knowing that you're going to move out tomorrow, I want you to go into one of the joint accounts and just take half the money, leave half. It is considered collaborative. It's not considered, you know, aggressive to take half Mm -hmm. of an account usually. And then Mm -hmm. of course, say that I told you to do it. Say we are, we have some boundary issues. Um, I met with a lawyer. She made me really nervous. And so I just took half the account. It's not like the money is no longer available or that it's no longer half theirs, right? Right. Mm-mm. No. They are like, I don't have access to the accounts and I'm really afraid to do that. So that tells you, Nicole, there's some other underlying stuff, some right. really deep stuff. Right. Oh, Email addresses okay. that you don't know about. Um, deleting internet history. Sneaky. So are you seeing people mostly come in? Because I read, I remember the statistic. I don't know where I got it, but it said that the number one cause of divorce was finances above infidelity. Is that still true? Or you would know way better than I would. No, we, um, we polled a hundred of our clients and we saw more on the adultery side than financial. And uh, we saw mental health as another option. Um, Mm, mm, we mm. listed it, but you know, we put mental health and abuse in that same category because abuse is so, you know, uh, what was a domestic violence and abuse when I was growing up, it's not, it might be defined the same, but subjectively it is not the same as it was, you know, 30 years ago. Things have changed. Yes. Right. Things have changed. So, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's drug abuse or sexual abuse or verbal abuse is very subjective like you yelling mm-hmm. at me if you want to try it out you can yell at me and I'll tell you whether I think it's verbal abuse Nicole you know what your pants match your shirt and I really want your outfit you're really <laughs> pissing me off because your outfit's see? cuter than mine today like is that yeah, abuse see? Is, or I don't is that know. Me yelling right it's well, subjective yeah you're making me sweat <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so, yeah yeah so Okay. Um, so then what so, about with the women though? Cause I know what, are you seeing this from both sides, male and oh, yeah. female clients? Oh, oh. Okay. So give yeah. some advice to these fellas out here. You know, he's thinking about proposing or that he's been in a long-term relationship or he's iffy about his marriage. Um, I want the men to have some advice because we have a lot of male listeners. Shout out to all the guys. What should they be looking for when they should say, okay, this girl ain't, she ain't probably going to be cut out for a long-term marriage uh i hate to be like uh i'd love looking at things through rose-colored glasses yeah 
but you know, we all have our intuition and our guts. And sometimes I'll say women are more likely to listen to their intuition based on my experience in the conference rooms I'm sitting in than men. Um, I usually, uh, and it's usually when it comes to adultery, when, um, when men are not the ones doing the cheating, it's a, it's a, it takes longer for them to realize what's going on in general, unless it's just thrown right there in their face and there's an admission, this is what's happening. So it's like the dudes are kind of oblivious or they're, they're not paying attention or they're not wanting to see, or are women just better at hiding I, you know, these things? I don't, it's the same, it's the same evidence. It's just who's perceiving it, right? Who's receiving it? How, what their perception is. The other thing is, is I will hear more often uh, emotional affairs. Mm. Okay. Nobody, nobody can hear me nodding my head no, <laughs> but I'm gonna <laughs> nod my head no. And I know uh-huh. that's not a popular, it's not a popular opinion to, to okay. say that emotional affairs are just emotional affairs, but there have not been very many emotional affairs in my practice that have actually only been emotional affairs. So that means either somebody's lying about how far things went or if it was a true emotional affair, it never got to the point where the couple's thinking about divorcing because they worked it out. That still yeah. feels like a, a betrayal of loyalty though. Like you're giving your- Oh yeah. I mean, no, I agree. I mean, it's still, um, it's still, it is what it is, right? Yeah. But yeah. most of the time when somebody says it's an emotional affair, it just takes some time for the rest mm-hmm. of the evidence to come out. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's really disappointing and disheartening, but um, I do hear that more from my male clients than I do my female clients. So let's switch gears. Let's talk about the book because um, I love the book. I love the title. When did you know after your experiences, personal and professional, that you're ready to put pen to paper and start helping people and sharing bits of your story? That's got to be a little difficult because this is what you do for a living but you're being kind of you know pretty transparent so when did you know that you're ready to like you're like all right I'm ready to start teaching people and helping I'm going to write this book all right years ago years ago like maybe I don't even know when I thought I was going to write a book that was going to be a bathroom book like do you remember the days of bathroom books where it's like a really short book and while you're in the bathroom Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. can read through it well, have you noticed yeah. that like Instagram has totally taken that over? There are yeah, no more bathroom books. <laughs> right. We don't, we barely need coffee table books anymore. Like we just don't need that. It's we're all on our phones or whatever. I call it the Instagram because I'm, I'm Facebook generation. So my, my publisher was like, well, how's your Instagram platform? And I was like, what? You're like, I don't know if I'm on the Instagram, little sweetie. Like, oh, like, oh, come on, Nicole. You, I don't believe that. You know, you, you have know. Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. <laughs> no, I have one TikTok and it's very deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, the, the Instagram is, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I got to figure that out. Anyway, you kind of took so, over the need. So you're like, yeah. let me just do a, a long form book. Well, so what it was, I was like, here are the top, it was supposed to be funny um, because I have to bring humor into everything. It's actually yeah. like on my job requirement. Like, please don't apply <laughs> if you don't have a sense of humor. Right. So, you got um, have a sense of humor up in here. Yes. 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 And family law, you know, we're dealing with people at their worst. And so we get overlooked. So anyway, so I did this, you know, top 30 things that you should know. And, uh, you know, one of them I'll remember is like, don't have a threesome and think that your marriage is going to stay intact. Right. Oh. I mean, it was, they were some funny ones. There were some dirty oh. ones. And I had the most fun writing it. Well, yeah. I, I got real serious after I separated about what I should really do. And I met um, who someone, her name is Jocelyn Duffy, and she ended up uh, being my co-write with me. And uh, I still said, like, I really want it to be a short book. I want to get on a plane and finish it on the, on the ride. And uh, we the started best talking and, and damn, she said, Nicole, there is so much that people don't know. And yeah. uh, we just need to, you know, you need to use this platform and so my goal was, um, I never thought I'd get divorced. And then being on the other side of the table, I thought, oh my gosh, there are so many things that my clients weren't telling me. There's so, my advice is so different having been through it 
I mean, I thought I had plenty of life experience, 20 years of practice experience, but there was a lot more that I could be doing. Um, And so that's how the book came to be. And the, uh, and so the first half of it about is it's basically broken up into three sections, marriage, separation, divorce. I I put in some of my favorite resources because Mm -hmm. don't do, don't do it alone. You know, you don't do it alone. You need the right people to be supporting you. And those are not the people that say like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, Can I like do anything? I gotta go. I gotta go. And then when you're like still sad a month later, they're like, are you not over this yet? Like the time frame on how long you can be sad or happy and and uh, the people that are going to help you get through it. So the right you need real support, find yes. the right support system, yeah. so the right resources, the, the right support system, the right education. And like, I really wanted, I had the advantage of knowing what was coming next. Um, but, you know, your lawyer might like sort of 50,000 feet that and might not update you along the way. Like my hope was, let me tell you what it's really going to look like yeah. and uh, what you can really be prepared for. And, uh, you know, one of my, one of those biggest, one of the biggest differences was, uh, you know, nobody, my clients weren't telling me what it was like being on the football field and uh, your kiddo walking off the field with another, you know, a parent of like another family and it wasn't you. And so learning how to find um, those coping mechanisms, and uh, I mean, those were all the things that nobody was talking about with me. So, mm. you know, it's, who, was the, it's, who was the book for though? Cause you're talking, you're talking love, marriage and divorce. So should a person that's in a pretty cool marriage, no sign of divorce, should they pick up the book? Or if you're thinking about divorce, is this for you? Who, who is like the ideal person that needs to get this? I think the ideal person is, I envisioned it as, like nobody ever knows what to tell uh, people who are going through a divorce. So I thought, well, if we don't really know what to tell them, why don't we hand them something? Um, Why don't we get, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about, if you're thinking that things aren't okay, you should be picking it up and I will Mm. either convince you to go get some counseling that will make your marriage healthier, or you will see that all these red flags are in your marriage. And that you're not going to change the person. The best you can do is work on yourself. Mm. So, and I'm going to, you know, it goes through and, and, and talks about those things. And it gives examples, hypotheticals from my practice. It gives you uh, my own experiences. Um, and I stayed pretty quiet in my own divorce. So okay. um, that surprised me too, because I'm, I'm not a great advocate for myself, but I feel really passionate about lifting people up and making sure that I leave them better than I found them. So that's my hope that when you put it down, that you've got this sense of relief, that you um, have a better sense of where you are and where you want to go. And that you Mm. have a really realistic, you know, expectation about what that looks like. So you have the three boys and you are now a person that went from being a wife in a romantic situation with their father to now a person who is trying to navigate raising these human beings into productive members of society. What happens when you guys have different ideals of what that looks like? What's kind of the best way to navigate that? Mm. So normally I'm saying best and I know. Guys, listen, you got, I'm saying best like that's not fair let me yeah, let me switch that because you know this is I, I like to say best practices when I give advice I say well it's best practice based on research but I always like to leave that caveat but y'all are gonna do what you want to do anyway but, yeah. so um but so just instead of me saying best let me take that back what's what's a way that you've seen or you found success in navigating that that strong difference of this is how I want to do it over here. This is how you want to do it. Love your children more than you dislike yourself. <laughs> you could say that again, Nicole. Right? I, I mean, <laughs> wouldn't it just be nice if it was that simple? You know? Oh, honey. I, I, we wouldn't have I, this podcast if it was that simple. You wouldn't oh have your gosh. podcast if it was that simple. <laughs> it, just, it just, you know, every day, I think, just 
love them more than you dislike the other person because it, it is it is in my everyday it is in my practice it is in my life like I get it um always be thinking about what is in their best interest and relying on professionals now I will say mm. that like rely on professionals but I was just saying um I had a meeting earlier today and I was telling the other lawyer that one of the things okay this is that candid part right of that yeah. part we like those parts well one of the things that i really thought was um going to be easier was i thought if i had all the right counselors in place and i have the right support team and i've got the i I understand how to navigate the court system i mean Mm -hmm. i've been doing it for a long time right you like i do this this is yes and i'm a parenting coordinator which means that i'm actually like i actually have a history a certification, if you will, mm. um, to help parents in high conflict custody cases. And yeah. I'm, I actually act as a neutral in this case. So I've got all this experience and I'm thinking um, that with all of those things lined up, I will be in the best position to protect my boys Who's um, in a better position than you? I mean, you're like, dude, I do this for a living. Come on. I've done this a thousand times. <laughs> but when real life comes to smack you in the fanny, it's different. It's and different. you know, you can't anticipate bad things, right? You can, but the court system isn't going to be able to do that for you. But, you yeah. know, it, if I filed some today, I'm not getting into court for a few months. If I have a parenting coordinator help me resolve the issue, it's not like she's on, you know, uh, on my speed dial and that she's yeah. going to call me back in the same day. And as a parent, and especially as a working parent, that comes up all the time. I mean, and yeah. if, if we didn't all just experience that with COVID, I mean, you think about, um, you know, we had this whole, uh, we had months of, do you vaccinate or do you not vaccinate? And uh, children, we have parents who are supposed to be making those decisions together, but court orders that were supposed to be their guide weren't providing that authority they and weren't so, even applicable we just saw it was kind of like the wild wild west with covid and co-parenting i did a whole series on covid and co-parenting because i saw literal wars oh, yeah. happening amongst people yes i mean mm. withholding the children because they were afraid they were absolutely you know, oh my gosh they were having symptoms i mean so i mean even before that it it was a little wild west but yeah, that, you know, that gave us new, um, I guess we learned new patients. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, there are, there's still a slew of things that no matter how much you think you are prepared for them, um, you're not going to be. And so you have to figure out how to manage those expectations as a parent, uh, as a working person, um, yeah. as a, you know, divorced person, new married person, boyfriend, you girlfriend, whatever You should have to figure out how to manage it. So next question, when it comes to divorce, co-parenting, we do talk a lot about that. Is there an ideal time? Because I've heard of all you, I think you know the question I'm about to ask you. When, when we're talking about new partners, because that's something that creates, that adds fuel to the fire. When you have a, a situation and we typically only, focus on high conflict situations here people ain't really coming to this podcast to hear about the peachy keen stories but um so we're already thinking about an era of conflict yeah and there's a new partner somebody's falling in love and they want to introduce their children to their new boo is there a way to go about it when the children have parents that had a high conflict divorce or one parent is still, you know, maybe targeting or alienating the other parent. Um, How can that parent that wants to say, Hey, listen, I've moved on with my life. I'm sorry. You haven't. I want my new person to kind of be a part of my thing over here with, with our kids. What's an approach to help us out, Nicole? My approach is to find the person best suitable to make sure that you're doing it right. Like mm. I, I tried, I tried my hardest to stay in my lane. And uh, so <laughs> yeah. if I'm gonna, if I'm going to introduce, I'll be in my first person. Like if okay. I'm going to introduce uh, my children to someone, or if my client says a Memphis human, and I want to introduce my children 
I am going to say the first thing I want you to do is to read a book, go see a counselor, um, yeah, listen to a podcast, yeah. yeah, and make sure you're doing it right because when it comes back, because the other person's pissed because they fear that they're going to be replaced, yeah. be able to say with integrity and honesty, this is all the stuff I did to make sure that I was doing it right because mm. I, I because I I am more invested in making sure that I'm doing it right. Then I am how you're going to feel or how my partner's going to feel because they are yeah. my first responsibility. So uh, that is, you know, and I, I, I think for the most part, I do that in all parts of uh, separation and divorce and all the issues mm-hmm. that go with it. Because, you know, even though they call us, I say they, whoever the they is, they call us divorce attorneys. Yeah. There is, um, we do so many different pieces of all things related to family. So, you know, we're just talking about that custody piece, but realistically, like, uh, when separation divorce happens, as you know, like it's, we're not just dealing with actually being unmarried and parenting, we're yeah. dealing with the financial support and division of assets and all those things. I said, like, literally dealing with so many different moving parts of it. You right. are. And so I would caution your listeners too, because when, um, uh, when a deal is too good to be true, it's probably not right. There's this really, <laughs> there's this really sweet looking lady. She's on a billboard between Charlotte and Atlanta. Uh-huh. And it, she looks so kind. She looks way nicer than me. And uh-huh. uh, she's doing, you know, the professional arm cross. No, and she's looking down, just, you know, like the arm We cross. just talked about the arm cross. No, oh, I hate the arm cross. <laughs> um, you have to, when, when you go to my page, you have to look at my boxing picture. Like I got so sick of the arm cross. I have a boxing yeah. picture. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. You, you I would not believe. I just made a Facebook post and I tagged 13 of my friends and I went and found all of, cause I'm, I'm guilty of the arm cross. I am not horn. Like I do it. <laughs> we need to find like a new universal power girl um, pose though. I like I the boxing. You, you got to look at the boxing, go on whatever. Like and yeah, so, so you're talking was, about this lady with this like nice, she looks yeah. really nice with the arm cross um, um, thing sign. $500, get your divorce, $500. Oh, no girl, way. Please. Like she's not doing that. She's not dealing with all the other issues. So like if things are too good to be true, they're probably not when it comes to, I would say like, if you ask your lawyer, um, how much is it going to cost? And if they mm. tell you, go in the other direction. Like there's, they can't predict it. They can't predict how long discovery is going to take, whether yeah. COVID is going to happen and your judge is going to have get COVID and your hearing is going to be delayed three months or six months or whether, you know, some, something is going to happen that's going to delay the process. And every time there is a delay, it costs money. It costs everybody it money. It costs time. money because you have to show up to court. That means the client has to pay the bill hours. I mean, you, like, oh well, and you got to prepare for it. And then if your case gets continued, that means you got to prepare again. And you got to perform discovery. So um, I, you know, in my candor, it's I, when people say like, how much it's going to cost? Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a marathon. I can't predict. I can't predict who the other party is going to hire. Because if they hire someone who mm-hmm. only knows how to litigate and doesn't gonna drag know it how, out. Yes. How, and this, so that's why I go back to like picking your lawyer is how do you resolve a case? I mean, you know, one thing I, that I found, Nicole, is people tend to hire attorneys that are extensions of themselves and their own personalities. Like, if you just want this to be done, you're a peace loving, compassionate person, you're going to find somebody to represent you. But if you are an asshole, manipulative liar, you're literally going to find a mouthpiece like that. I've seen it happen so many times. I don't know. Like, I've seen it happen. I'm like always curious that. about whether you hire a man or a woman. Would you hire a man or a woman? Would I've it matter? Had- um, I've had experiences with both. So like personally, us last time yeah. in family court, we had a, we had a guy and he just completely flopped. Um, it was so <laughs> bad to the point to where I told my husband, I was like, like, this dude doesn't even enunciate. He doesn't speak up. Um, he just, you know, it was just a bad situation. I was going to ask you about that. So what do you do if you say, oh my God, my lawyer is not, they're not who I thought they were. They sold me in the meeting, but they're not doing the things that I asked them. What do you do about that? What do, what can people just say, Hey, you're fired, but that means you have to start over with someone else. What would you advise a person in that position to do? 
uh, from a client perspective, if they are yeah. not, if they don't think they're happy, they need to be preparing themselves to move. So, oh. you know, your file is your file, except for the attorney's notes. So you should be receiving a copy of every single thing that goes in your file, except for notes. So everything from discovery, you guys need to yes. make sure you have that. Um, yeah, discovery, that's important because you pay for that stuff, right? Yes, and the more organized you are, and the more digital actually the attorney is, the easier it's going to be to get your file. Mm. But, you know, so, and also, this is going to sound crazy, but you want, even though the attorney is working for you, I think it really helps if, because I've had, to, I've, I haven't had a lot of clients leave me. I think on one hand in 20 years, mm-hmm. my clients usually stick around and we, and I mean, they usually stick around. I was looking like not here in my office. They're not actually sticking around. But I did see them I don't see them behind you. <laughs> Good. Um, but, um, but, uh, but you should, what the attorney should do is it should be leaving the relationship whole. And that attorney, yeah. ideally, if you're on good terms with that attorney and you simply want to go in another direction, then you should be able to say, can you get my new attorney up to speed? I just, I feel like I need a different voice in the courtroom. We're not mm-hmm. connecting you know, if it's professional, in my opinion, they should oh. do that for you. I but mean, a lot of times you know. they don't. And if you, if it's a, if it's a strained relationship and money is owed, and uh, they, oh, yeah. you know, but you kind of see that coming. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. as a client, you see it coming, and sometimes they fear. You know, once you've changed lawyers, they're not going to get paid. Or it's just... well, I was going to say after three times, lawyers. Lawyers are like, I don't know if it's the lawyer or if it's the mm-hmm. client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, and the judge is thinking the same thing. So, you know, I don't want to go into the courtroom and lose. I want to take the cases that I know that I can win and that I believe in. Right. Right. So, you know, and if the client's been at uh, three other law firms, you go, I don't, the judge might think that it's my client. And absolutely you know, they it's are not like you get, it's, 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 it might be your 15 minutes in the courtroom and I can't do what I need to do in 15 minutes. So I might and not the judge has seen you with a different person every single time. They're going to be like, wait a minute. Yeah, ah. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like job hopping. Like mm-hmm. when you, you, don't you look at people's resumes when they absolutely looking, and how many times have they changed jobs and, absolutely. and you go, okay, well, it might not be the employer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then when it comes to money, money is something that gets super funny when we're talking divorce and splitting if you know that it's coming let's just say you're a person and you're super organized i know it, it is good advice to say hey okay i know i'm entitled to half so i'm going to just separate my half but when what about hidden money is that when you start to have to hire these forensic accountants is that what they're called um how does that process go well uh some of it is common sense I know that sounds okay. crazy. No, it like, does. Cause we don't, you know, common sense. What's that? Like, we don't do that. So, Well, let's just like break it down to like a private investigator. So if I'm going to have to have a hire a private investigator, I'm going to say, Hey, I'm going to hire this PI. I call the PI. I say, I've got a opposing party. Um, they're going to say, where do they live? Where do they work? What are their work hours? What kind of car do they drive? Okay. Right. Hmm. And they charge most of the time they charge by the hour. Now, if I don't give them any of that information, how much money did I just cost myself? You wasted a lot of money. Why are we, yeah. why are we doing that? So, so basically you need to have all your stuff organized is what you're saying. Have all your ducks in a row so that I can help you to do your job. I mean, if help you Help me help want, you or help you help me. Now, some people say, um, I always say like, I can hold your hand, get you to do the work, save you on fees. Or you're going to pay more and I'm going to, I've got a team of people that are going to do it for you, but it's just yeah. going to cost you more. We yeah. actually, at one point we had a divorce concierge and you know, the idea was, it sounds, it sounds fancy, but mm-hmm. it was literally someone who could do all your organizing because what I learned in my divorce was it was a full-time job. You're a parent, you're working and you're getting divorced and Ooh. damn, it is a lot. It's a lot of work. Ooh. And your lawyer will say like, can I have two years worth of bank statements? Ooh. And you're like, I have to feed the kids and I'm at work and I have therapy. And like, I will. <laughs> that's a lot. So, I like the idea yeah. of divorce concierge. So then the book is coming out. 
Yeah. Um, it's going to be out. Um, and good thing about those of you that are listening, you'll be able to get it. There's going to be a link right down below where you can go and get it. But Nicole, as we get ready to close out, because I told you, I mean, I could literally probably talk to you for like another two hours, but because um, I have so many questions, mm-hmm. but tell them where they can find you, um, especially if they want to hire you. I know I'd freaking hire you, but um, also <laughs> just give them some info on where they can get your book. Um, the Instagram handle, I think as we still call Instagram. it handle. They, get it from the Instagram. Instagram. The Instagram is Nicole is is Nicole Sedoma. So it's um Nicole Sedoma on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram, on Facebook. I think it's maybe Instagram on Twitter. It is everywhere. Good. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, but I have to tell you, and the book yes. is Amazon for pre-order and uh Barnes and Noble pre-order and some of those big major retailers. You also yeah. can go to NicoleSedoma.com. Doesn't that sound salesy? Yes. I so bad, but let me tell you what is to my left. Okay. Let me see. This is the advanced copy. And I am too chicken to open it. It has been in my car, on my kitchen table. Nicole. <laughs> put it now. Nicole. <laughs> I can't do it. I need to I got... see. I need to see it. No, Nicole. I like it's y'all for those of you like obviously some of you are watching us right now but there's some of you that are listening let me tell you guys that are listening she literally has her book her baby she's showing it to us how long have you had that nicole i just a few days and wait a minute (laughs) yeah let me tell y'all my first two books when i got those suckers i didn't even as soon as they came Uh, in the mailbox i didn't even make it to the house and she's been sitting here what what, what, what's the hold up well, you know, the, um, I, I don't know. I just, like, I'm waiting for the right moment. And I, I just keep thinking, like, it's going to be, the like, it literally has been in every room. It's been in the bathroom. You carry it around with me. I'm waiting. You know, um, my uh, communications director told me that Saturday was the World Book Day or something. Okay, I didn't know that. So maybe I didn't, Saturday I didn't you'll know. do it. Yeah, I don't know, but maybe it'll be like a Facebook. Of, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing on the social media thing on the Instagram, okay. but maybe, you know. Okay, so, I, really, I thought you were about to show us this book and you are showing me the the package <laughs> that you refused to open that it came in. Uh, it's <laughs> well, going to be a minute. Well, you know what, guys, you can go, like she said, and pre-order it. Go to NicoleSedoma.com and she's Nicole Sedoma everywhere online and of course there will be links below if you go and visit her anywhere on social media especially the instagram please tell her that you (laughs) tell her that naja sent you you know we like to show love to the people that have made it through an episode of i know i'm crazy with naja hall shout out to everybody that stuck with us and those of you that are still listening right now you know we produce new episodes every other tuesday every freaking where your favorite podcasts are stream i'll see you next time I know I'm crazy.